In August of 2019, writer Jay Owens traveled to the remote deserts of northwestern Uzbekistan to a city called Moynak. She was there to research one of the largest catastrophes in environmental history, the drying up of an enormous body of water called the Aral Sea. But what Jay actually found when she arrived was trippier than anything she could have imagined. I walk up to a stage set on the edge of a desert. The music starts playing really good techno, really good sound system. World-leading techno musicians from Berlin, from Japan, people who have played at Bergheim um, are coming to this tiny tumbleweed town in Western Uzbekistan. There in the middle of the desert was a music festival. It was called Stihia, or Force of Nature, and it was founded to draw attention to this environmental catastrophe that had happened here. At one time, the Aral Sea had been the size of Ireland, but over the last few decades, it had entirely disappeared. And now, this music festival was bumping right there where the sea used to be. You have world-class DJs playing astonishing, fantastic music, absolutely transformative, into the open air, right at the end of the road, on a cliff overlooking what was once the Aral Sea, but is now empty sand. And the sound just rings out for miles and miles into the desert night as lasers trace the sky. Absolutely sublime. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to Moynak. It is the city on the edge of what used to be one of the world's largest seas, and the site of one of the world's most forgotten environmental disasters. Writer Jay Owens tells us how Soviet-era industrialization changed the ecology of this region forever, and how today, the people who live there are considering how their town could be reinvented. The strangest techno festival on the planet, that's for sure. That is all after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. <laughs> Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
In her new book, writer and researcher Jay Owens takes a magnifying glass to a teeny tiny subject, dust. To Jay, dust isn't just the blue-gray clumps of dust bunnies underneath your couch. To her, dust is much more than that. It is what's left behind when humans drastically alter their environments to try and suit their own needs. And what's left when it goes wrong. I'm interested in kind of myth-busting modernity, the idea that modernity is the story of cleanliness and progress and control and domination over nature, because bullshit, if you follow the trails of dust it produces, that's absolutely not true. Jay's book is called Dust, The Modern World in a Trillion Particles. And in it, she travels to places like California's Owens Valley, which became a desert after water was diverted to supply the growing city of Los Angeles. She examines the Oklahoma Dust Bowl, and even finds evidence of ancient Roman mining, still detectable in the Greenland ice sheets. Dust was a thread that tied all of these places together, that tied people and place together, tied the history and the present, tied hard environmental science with a very tangible, real human reality. But maybe one of the most dramatic examples of humans reshaping the natural world with drastic consequences is what Jay found when she traveled to the city of Moynak in northwestern Uzbekistan, once part of the Soviet Union. It's the most forgotten environmental catastrophe. You know, most people would struggle to point to the Aral Sea on a map, um, most people in the West, of course. It's the site of the biggest environmental disaster in human history, quite arguably. So Moynak seems like quite a, a desolate place. It's this sort of six-kilometer-long main road, houses around the other sides of it. And for hundreds of years, you know, this was a town on the edge of a vast sea. Look around Moynak today, and you still see traces of this old sea everywhere. Images of fish pop up on murals and mosaics. They're even on the entrance sign to the city. It's a nod to the fact that fishing was once the main livelihood of the people who lived here. There's the old canning factory. Jay says that most of the canned fish in the Soviet Union was processed here in Moynak. There's even this dusty graveyard of fishing boats. You've got half a dozen or so beached steel boats rusting in the sunshine um, as, as remnants of the fishing trade that used to exist here. This boat graveyard is Moynak's memorial to the Aral Sea. The Aral Sea was this body of water that the city used to sit right on the edge of, almost 30,000 square miles of water, nearly the size of West Virginia. And it had been a sort of environmental lushness in the desert, fed by the Amudaria River, you know, a massive river coming down from the mountains in Central Asia, bringing huge amounts of water out into the desert, into wetlands, birds, water birds, flamingos, but in a remarkably short period, a matter of just a few decades, everything changed. The Aral Sea today is a fraction of the size it used to be. And the city of Moynak, once a bustling fishing port, is now around 100 miles from the edge of that water. You could say the collapse of the Aral Sea began way back in the 1800s when the Russian Empire began expanding and expanding and colonizing huge swaths of Central Asia. When the Russians arrived and looked out over the lushness of the Aral Sea for the first time, they saw it as a huge missed opportunity. 
Even in 1882, you've got the Russian climatology pioneer, Alexander Voikov, wrote that the existence of the Aral Sea within its present limits is evidence of our backwardness, that it showed that they were not making enough use of the flowing water and fertile silt of the Amur and Syadaria rivers. When the Russian Empire later became the Soviet Union, the region was singled out as a prime spot for agriculture, in particular for growing cotton. Cotton is this insane crop. It's really ecologically incredibly damaging. It grows super well in deserts, but it does so because it just needs tons and tons of water, or gallons and gallons, swimming pools and swimming pools. After World War II, Joseph Stalin declared a great plan for the transformation of nature, which was designed to maximize the agricultural productivity of the land. The rivers that fed the Aral Sea were diverted to feed these extremely thirsty and resource-intensive cotton fields. At first, this plan was a huge success. The area began producing enormous quantities of cotton. In 1964 alone, four million tons of cotton were harvested. You know, there's no saying no to Moscow at that time. There's nobody who can turn that down. There's this sense that nature is just a tool for progress, that it can be dominated, that there is no need to lay the land fallow or to allow some water to remain in the lake. There's a sense that it's all there for the prosperity and for the taking of Moscow. Moscow kept pushing their productivity targets up and up and up. And in response, the land was getting pushed to its limit, to the very edge of its ability to comply. But for a while, cotton yields did keep going up and up. But with the rivers being diverted away to feed these cotton crops, there was no longer any water flowing into the Aral Sea. And so it began to shrink. The sea starts to recede away from Moynak. You know, as the fishermen have to um, leave their boats further out and trudge through mud to even start to fish. During the 1970s, the water level in the Aral Sea was dropping two feet a year. By the 1980s, it shrunk even faster. As the sea dried, it became saltier, and the fish began to die. By 1986, the sea was gone. The fish were dead. And Moynak's fishing port had been transformed into a town in the middle of the desert. 68,000 kilometers square of water had almost entirely dried up over the course of about 30 or 40 years. When the sea disappeared, what was left behind was the lake bed. And from that newly exposed lake bed came dust. Lots and lots of dust. I saw the biggest dust devils I have ever seen in my life, I saw in that region. And you've just got these huge, huge, I don't know, 200, 300 meter high pillars of spinning dirt every day, multiple per day, sweeping across the, uh, the land. You look across the street and just a little gust of wind produces a sort of you know, little human-sized flurry of dirt. Today, the dust in Moynak is so bad, the people living there have to cover their noses and mouths when they go work outside. And the dust is not just some nuisance. It can be extremely dangerous. And so you take the water out and the lake vanishes and the lake vanishes fast. It just evaporates away in the sun, leaving this salty lake bed full of pesticides, full of heavy metals, full of all the sort of 
grot in agricultural runoff that has come into it over the past 50 and 100 years. And that produces poisonous sand and dust, really, really toxic stuff. Today, Jay says there isn't much of a hope of bringing the water back. So now what? In 2017, an Uzbek lawyer named Otabek Sulemanov launched Stichia, this music festival in Moynak. It was going to be this two-day-long electronic dance festival, bringing in DJs from all over the globe. Sulemanov's goal was to draw attention to these environmental issues and to maybe encourage investment and sustainable development in Moynak. One of the huge questions facing Sulemanov and other leaders in the area is how to move forward after this immense disaster. The question is what you do with this is new land. I mean, admittedly, now that's been exposed for about 50 years, but I believe it's the largest source of brand new land kind of exposed on the Earth's surface ever. One idea is to plant trees with the thinking that as they grow, the tree roots will fix the soil to the ground so that the dust isn't blown around as much. There are many reforestation efforts ongoing, including one launched by the Stichia Music Festival itself called Six Billion Trees. They're trying to be intentional to use plants native to the region, like these scrubby little trees called saxols. So in some parts of the seabed, we have seen bushes, saxol trees, or bushes in particular, which are halophytes, um, a word that means they're salt lovers. And tough bastards, basically, that can grow in really grossy, nasty soil and sort of cling on and grow huge roots really deep and catch whatever tiny particles of water still exist. So even though the Aral Sea will probably never come back and be the size it once was, maybe there is a future where this land has a sort of new identity. Jay says this is not quite restoration, but it still might be a kind of transformation. You know, the idea of restoration back to a past state, I think, is a risky idea, or an inaccurate idea. You know, these places have been too badly damaged to ever return to some sort of pristine, supposed state of nature. People are in these landscapes, and those human impacts are real and permanent. But salvage, the idea of healing, that is always possible. There is always a chance to make something better, no matter how damaged a place has become. So recognizing that and recognizing what does live and what does grow, and even if it is a scrubby old halophyte, you know, a scrubby old salt bush of some variety, but uh, that's a hell of a lot better than nothing. You can visit Moynak and see the ship graveyard and even go outside the city like Jay did to see what is left of the Aral Sea. But there could be even more changes to this area. Today, the city of Moynak sits in an autonomous region of Uzbekistan called Karakalpakstan. It's named after the ethnic group that lives there, the Karakalpaks. But in the last few years, the region's independence has been challenged by Uzbekistan's government. Last year's protests in the area were violently put down by the Uzbek authorities. It led Stichia's founders to move the location of the festival in 2023 for the first time. We'll link to more information, both about what is going on in the region and the festival, if you'd like to keep tabs on it. We will put all of that in our episode description.
Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. This episode was produced by Amanda McGowan. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney, Johanna Mayer. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.